welcome everybody to the Coda Shane Better Name Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I'm here today with the one and only Mark Cushing. Uh, if you haven't heard Mark before, you're in for a treat. Uh, he, is, he is very opinionated. He has got his fingers in a lot of pies. He knows a lot about how our industry works. And um, man, I'm just thrilled to have him here. Gang, we talk about everything from uh, from the vet med, sh- uh, vet med labor shortage to uh, to nurse practitioners and telemedicine to non-economic damages and lawsuits too. And we focus on this at the end, CBD oil uh, and uh, CBD regulations. Gang, this is a, a sprawling, uh, sprawling conversation. We need to talk some politics. We talk midterm elections and uh, inflation and what that means or could mean for vet medicine in the coming year. It's a really fun one. Gang, I hope you'll enjoy it. Let's get into this episode. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to of shame with dr andy rourke welcome to the podcast mark cushing thanks for being here great to join you as always andy hope you're well oh i am i so i I love having you here for those who don't know you uh mark cushing is a lawyer he is a founder and ceo of the animal policy group and he is the author of the book pet nation i've had you on the podcast before we talked about the book we've talked about a lot of things you know you always come to my mind this time of year, uh, because I used to get to see you at the Banfield Industry Summit, uh, which is a, a great event. But you are generally invited to share your perspective on the industry and where it's going and what are the hot topics in the coming year. And I just I love that. I love hearing you speak about that. You just li- always give me a, a ton of ideas. And I, I just want to have you on the podcast today and kind of run. I think I'd like to, to sort of hear an overview because I didn't get to hear you at Banfield this year. Um, sure. we're, what are the hot topics you see coming down the pipes for the industry? And then one area I know that you're involved is in uh, the legality of CBD. Uh, that was a topic that got really hot and then it kind of seemed to cool down and I've, I'm sensing it's warming back up and I'm seeing a lot more about it again. I wanted to talk to you about that. Does that sound okay? Let's go. I can, uh, I'll jump in on the first. So yeah, take it uh, from there. Uh, and, and Banfield uh, punished the attendees by making them sit through breakfast to hear my overview. So it's, <laughs> It, it, I go about 180 miles an hour because uh, I try to cover all the legislation in the past year. And we started out my group uh, looking at 25,000 bills and reduced it down to about 350. The point being, when you're successful and financially, the industry, as you know, 2020, 2021, now 2022 are each the greatest years financially than the year before ever. So mm-hmm. that puts a bullseye in your and I kind of reminded the, the industry leaders that that attracts attention and it often attracts legislation of people, quote, wanting to help you, i.e. get a piece of your action, so to speak. Yep. So, you know, and, and, you know, what were some interesting trends this year? Industry-wide, the conversation right now is dominated by the veterinary shortage and the vet tech shortage, period. Mm-hmm. And there has been reluctance, I think, foolish on the part of some trade associations to acknowledge it because all you have to do is to talk to a practicing veterinarian anywhere in the country, rural, suburban, urban, east, west, north, south, doesn't matter. They're in an acute shortage scenario. And the law of economics, as you know, Andy, means if you have a shortage of something, you know, a a shortage of supply of veterinarians, fewer people get care and the price of care goes up. Neither one of those are trends that people feel comfortable with. I'm not trained enough to talk about the impact and the burnout on veterinary staffs, which is obvious. 
but we have this millennial and Gen Z pet owner group, the largest cohorts of pet owners now in the country. They want to spend money on vet care. They want to treat their pets' health care at the same scale that they take care of their own health care. And money really isn't an issue, which is, quote, a great problem to have. But you've got to have enough caregivers to do that. Yeah. And they're frustrated. And, and the headwind we're heading into will be people that were going to get a second dog or a, a cat or a second cat or a third because they want playmates and, and they enjoy the ones, the first ones they got so much. But if you can't get in to see a vet, I can see the conversation between, you know, a couple being, you know, honey, why are we thinking about a second dog when we can't get Sparky in to see our veterinarian for a month? So that's, that's a tough issue. Um, and it surfaces in different directions. One is, and you know, I'm an advocate for telemedicine. I wrote the first article for the industry back in 2015. I didn't create telemedicine. I just watched what it's done in human medicines. It's legal in all 50 states, and it's, it's now important. It's a fundamental way people get care if they can't get in to see a donk. And telemedicine's on the table now in a different context than just it's convenient and I don't want to leave my house or I don't want to go to a clinic. It's I can't get into a clinic. So um, the arguments against telemedicine become more and more theoretical and less and less real, um, number one. Number two, it's opened the door for people to say, yeah, human medicine's had PAs and nurse practitioners for 60 years. Let me tell you what 60 years means. That means there's grandparents, kids and grandkids that have been PAs in this country. We have them all through the U.S. And again, we would have enormous medical deserts, absent nurse practitioners and PAs. So we've had 60 years to learn from it. Obviously, I'm a fan of that. Lincoln Memorial has opened its first master's program to create that. And that thinking has changed. You find people saying, we should, certainly shouldn't fear competition from PAs. Good Lord, we don't have enough vets as is. And it would free veterinarians up to do more things, higher, higher value things. So that conversation changed. Um, you, you now see more states, they're blue states, they're mainly in the Northeast uh, and Mid-Atlantic, looking at non-economic damages and saying, we see all this literature where veterinarians say we treat your pets as family, which is true. They, they have that, they have a unique role in our lives that's more like kids than that is like certainly a chair or, or a, you know, a, a skateboard. So why don't we why don't we get the damage awards to include emotional damages, loss of companionship that human medicine gets? Um, and that's that's a tough issue. I'm still a strong critic of that idea, and my clients are. Why? Because all that does is drive up the cost of vet care and therefore reduces access. Why is that? Because we pay about, you know, we pay 750 bucks for liability insurance vets do now versus 200,000 that an OBGYN yeah. pays. And if you yeah. think that that number doesn't go up in new technology, defensive medicine, and rising costs, which shrinks access. So it's, a, it's an interesting debate, but that's, gonna, that's got some tailwind behind it. Um, and we'll see more and more states want to push that. Yeah, and let me ask you about that because you you're actually the perfect person to ask this about. Because I, I I think I think a lot about this, and whenever I hear non-economic damages, I, I'll be honest. Like my I feel the muscles in my face tighten. You know what I mean? I feel the stress in my forehead come in because just to me, 
that seems catastrophic. I mean, really. And again, and I want you to talk me down here. Give, give me some. Give me some. Don't don't say it is. I want you to say no, Andy. This is it's it's bad, but it's not awful. But it just seems to me. I go look. We're trying to do everything that we can to provide access. But um, when people start suing for six, seven figures, when you know when something goes wrong with their pet, suddenly we go, no, I'm not doing this without an ultrasound, or I'm not doing this without a CT scan. You know and um. I I yeah. don't see how that doesn't just rocket the cost of care, you know, multiple times above what it is now. A- am I wrong? Uh, are there shades of gray that I'm no, not seeing here? No, you're not wrong. And and it's uh, it, it, the, the truth is all lawsuits against doctors, uh, the plaintiff's lawyers that take those cases have them on contingent fees. You see the ads, the billboards in every highway in America. You know, it doesn't cost you anything. You know, Mark Cushing, come see me if you in a car accident, it won't cost you anything. That's true. You, you don't have an out-of-pocket cost, but they get a third of it. Well, let me, there aren't lawsuits against veterinarians now of any scale or volume for a simple reason. Lawyers don't get out of bed for one third of $2,000. Right. You don't spend two years pursuing a case and you might make 600 bucks. So when you change that, um, and two things happen. The number of lawsuits, when, when people can recover, you know, their, their shih tzu dies at age 12, and they claim that, the, that a doctor negligently performed surgery. When, 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 the, when the gates are open on whatever a jury thinks would emotionally reward you or compensate you for that loss, two things happen. Lawsuits get filed. Plaintiff's lawyers get organized. TV ads start appearing of the sort, you know, they ask if you're in a certain group asbestos you're in a certain group for something mm-hmm. else now it's, are you a pet on a pet in america have you lost a pet in your life really emotionally compelling ads the second thing that happens that's even more troublesome is the insurance underwriters if in, if one state does that they they step back and go wait a second our jobs to manage risk here the risk just went up by x amount so now that across the country they start raising premiums to get ready for it and then you bake that in. If you're a veterinarian and your cost of doing business increases by $50,000 in a year, you don't think you find a way to try to recover that? Right. And so, you know, the rich can afford it, but we've never had healthcare for pets, nor have we had pet ownership be one that's dependent on income, period. I, I did a study nationally in 2015. People that made less than $30,000 a year own dogs at the same percentage level as people that made over a hundred thousand dollars, and 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 that goes away in this scenario. So um, there's nothing good about it. And you might say, well, it compensates Mrs. Brown that loved that dog, and she got a nice check for a million five. Well, actually, she got a million because her lawyers got five hundred thousand. But but is that worth it as a social policy? That's why in the in the on the human side, you can't make a claim for your brother, your sister your favorite aunt or uncle, your favorite grandparent, your best friend, your girlfriend, it's limited to your spouse or a child. Um, And so the argument tries to shoehorn pets into being a child. My view is, and I've said it publicly, you know, I'm, you know, appear in front of legislatures and debates all the time. I say pets aren't children. Pets are a different species. In in fact, of course, they're a different species, they're dog and cat or some other pet, but they're also, they have a different relationship. In many cases, they're nicer than kids. I have five kids, you know, and you know, yeah. and the point is 
you can't simply say they are kids. They're not. There's something different. They live a short life, sadly. You know, we'd all love our favorite dog to live to 60. Um, not the case, obviously, you know, as a doctor. So, so that analogy, and, and we've won for all 16 years I've been involved in the industry. But there are, you know, the waves are bigger coming at us right now. Yeah. And I, I don't think it's going to go away. Um, so that, that's bad news. I'm sorry to start your program off. With some <laughs> but, but we're winning. The point is, when we make the case that I just said, people go, oh, okay, I, I get it. I, yeah, I'm that okay. seems obvious you know, to me I, is you go, boy, the, the impact of this on people's ability to have have pets and, and pay for them is, is just so monumental. Yeah. It would be it would be so it'd be so sad uh, to have to make those adjustments. Hey guys, I just want to jump in real fast and give all of my practice owner friends a heads up. The Practice Owners Summit is coming in December. It is an uncharted veterinary conference. It is only for practice owners. It is a summit, which means plan for it to be very hands-on. You're going to meet uh, with everyone, with other practice owners. Everyone there basically is going to be a practice owner. Uh, I expect we'll probably have 75 practice owners coming together in Greenville, South Carolina, December 8th through the 10th. Uh, this is a, a program that I am super happy to put on and run it with my team at Uncharted. It is unlike anything that you've seen before. If you want to work on your business, you want to talk with people who get it and who understand the stresses of being an owner, come on and check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes. Guys, let's get back into this episode. Let me ask you, let me ask you one more thing before we go on. So, so I thought a lot about this and, and we say to people, you know, your, your pets are family and, and we treat your pet, your fur babies. And, and we talk like that. And I like that language in a lot of ways because it's always been about raising uh, the human animal bond and, and emphasizing people's connections to pets and, and recognizing and honoring that connection. At the same time, Mark, when, as I listen to these things and we talk about uh, non-economic damages and then also the inability to get pets into the clinic. And I say, you know, we, right. we say, oh, this is your fur baby, but I can't see you today. And let, no shade at all for not being able to get people into the clinic. I am 100% one of those people who says, if, if you have a capacity and what you can see in a day and when you surpass it, you can't just push your staff harder. You, like, that's not how this works. And so a no shade on not being able to get people in. However, do we need as an industry to start adjusting the language that we use when we talk about pets? So what, what is that? How does that feel when I say it to you? I, 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 had a, I have contractors all, all over my property right now. So I, I'm just waving <laughs> them off saying I'm, I'm talking to this esteemed national uh, veterinarian. <laughs> so so I, I'm, I'm a free speech guy. I've always believed strongly, not just as a lawyer, but as a citizen. So attempting to regulate language, it, to me, is a fool's mission. And even if it's gotcha. well-intentioned, you'll, you'll, never, you'll never quite achieve it. And it, uh, we've, we've used those phrases about pets for 15, 20 years and not had non-economic damages come back to bite us. So I, I, think, I think we can manage our way through it at that level. It's... Uh, what will change is if the plaintiff's lawyers who are busy with opioid lawsuits, following gun control lawsuits, following asbestos, following cigarette, following, mm -hmm. you know, and just fill in the blank, right? Where the, where the scale of reward is billion dollars. So you get a third of a billion dollars versus a hundred thousand, you know, you, you get a little more excited. So when that group turns their eyes, and I've waited for 16 years to see when that group shows up 
their lobbying power is is almost uh, unbeatable, almost. That'll be different. We'll, we'll see. And language may have to change, but um, I think for now we can we can continue to to do it. And and the nice thing is, pet owners aren't crying for those damages. That's the right. other thing. The, those cases always have people that have died horrible deaths, and they're on the ads, and, and it's super compelling. Well, people know pets live short lives. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a different narrative to say, my 13-year-old retriever, I had to, uh, had to say goodbye. Well, chances are in the next year you would have had to. Does that sound callous from a lawyer? Sorry. But that's sort of the reality of it. No, I hear, I hear that. No, all that, all that totally makes sense. No, th- this is, this is insightful. I, I, I appreciate your insight. Let's, let's evolve this a little bit, and, and I want to swing over to, to CBD. Yeah. This, um, this was a, this was a topic a couple of years ago. We heard a ton about, and CBD was everywhere, and the CBD stores were popping up, and there was, there were just new products really coming into the vet market. And then I felt like things kind of hit a, a, a stable, a stable point, you know, sort of an equilibrium, and, and they sort of were normalized to some degree. And, and things sort of quieted down. And now I'm, I'm hearing a lot more about the legalities of CBD, um, sort of changes to access to CBD. Can you sort of start to lay that out for me? Why is, why is this becoming an issue again? Well, it, it's becoming an issue again because so many states have legalized recreational marijuana. A, a majority have legalized medical marijuana. CBD is not marijuana, but the point is the culture is much more comfortable with it, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, Number two, you've seen people get comfortable using gummies and, and a whole host of just CBD products for themselves, and particularly when it relates to stress. You know, the argument, I don't want to keep giving my dog gabapentin because we're driving eight hours down to Florida, you know, for, for Easter or something. And is, is there something that's less aggressive and maybe has less residual, potential residual issues? So there's that. Um, but you now have legislation. And no surprise, California has jumped to the head of the pack. And they're like, the legal standing right now of CBD supplements in California is that there is, there is no restriction, no restriction on a veterinarian recommending or selling it from their practice to a client. And there's, there's uncertainty, Andy, you know this because you, you podcast all over the country. There's uncertainty all over the country by veterinarians. Can I even discuss CBD with my clients? Mm-hmm. Let me just take issues one at a time. The answer is we have a thing called the First Amendment. You can talk about space travel. You can, talk, you can try to tell your clients the world is flat. You can talk to your clients about anything you want. You can. I mean, the truth is you can talk about it. So mm-hmm. there's no uh, thought police, speech police, zooming in from a vet med board saying, did I hear you mention CBD? Let me have that license of yours and we'll, we'll uh, kindly excuse you, uh, number one. Number two, the problem has been the FDA. Let me tell you what the FDA h- hasn't done, and it's what they haven't done that's frustrating. Okay. So Congress passed in 2018 the Farm Bill. It was signed by the president. That means that the language of that bill is the law of the United States. And that law said the following, if it's hemp-based and the THC, you know, the psychoactive, psychoactive level, the high level of, of, of the CBD in hemp is below 0.3, mm-hmm. that is legal in America. That's legal right now. And, that, and so if a supplement fits that category, it's legal. 
a veterinarian can recommend it, and in my view, they could they could sell it. Now, the, what the FDA has done is say, well, we won't pronounce on that. We won't make a statement. So you have one agency sitting here that everybody looks to being silent, but they will say, if you're a supplement manufacturer and you make a therapeutic claim, if you claim that that supplement's going to do something good for a pet, yeah. or it's going to change your bodily structure or function, that's the language they use, then we'll shut you down because only we can approve a therapeutic product. So CBD manufacturers have gotten a lot smarter and, you'll, and you, you just pay attention to their marketing and they're not making the claims that they might have made or want to make, the truth is. So sure. it, it's, it's, not, it's not helpful in my view, and I've told the FDA that, uh, it's not helpful for them to not just step up and say, we know it's the law. If you fit this category, hemp base below 0.3 THC, you're okay by us. We're not going to, you can say we're not going to regulate you, but we're not, we're not going to punish anybody for using you. So that's the uncertainty out there. But um, it's going to go the way that human marijuana use went. State after state, including SEC states, you know, which tend to be very conservative, uh, other than when they're talking about SEC football. Yeah. Um, but they, states increasingly are saying, yes, you know, marijuana, it, we can live with it within our culture. And, 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 and you're going to see that trend. And so I think what's going to happen is more and more states are going to say, veterinarians, officially, you can do this. Right now, veterinarians are like, I don't know. I want someone to tell me for sure my license isn't at risk. And, and that's, I, I'm involved, you probably won't surprise you, you know, but I'm, I'm involved trying to get some of those reforms initiated in states that clarify it. The ones that have are in Nevada and California right now on, right. The, on the veterinary side. And that, those numbers need to increase. And I think once, once more states do that, uh, people will get comfortable. What do you what do you think as far as pace of this change? I mean, so so Nevada, California. I mean, are is this is this uh in five years the majority of states? I mean, I know we're just sort of forecasting here, but is it I, I a couple of years or is it much longer term than that? What what do you what are you thinking as far as as far as timeline? I think a five year window is a good way to look at, it. and and I'll be disappointed if we're not at the ten to fifteen states in five years, out you know, crazy successful twenty states. I think in 10 years, we're over half the states will. Okay. And, and, and again, I, I think, and if you tie it to a veterinary client-patient relationship, so you're saying, and this, that's what I favor, so you're saying, yes, you can recommend and dispense, and you can administer in your practice if you need to, uh, a product that fits that legal definition uh, if you have a v VCPR with the client. Th then I think we build in a whole set of standards and care that veterinarians have to bring to bear rather than just sort of casually recommending to a friend, yeah, why don't you try this? So you know, I, I, think, I think if we have safeguards, people will get comfortable. And, and the key to me, Andy, is that the state VMAs not come out against it. And, and, and let, you know, and, and, I, and I, you never know till, you, till you're in the battle where they're gonna come out. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, so getting my head around this, so when we talk about manufacturers that are doing more than 0.3 uh, THC, things like that, are, are those not available for purchase in other states or owners are just, I'm assuming, ordering them online? It's just they're not coming through, through veterinary clinics. Uh, help help me understand true. that. Yeah, they're not coming through veterinary channels and they're probably, it's probably CBD for, for humans. And, and that's, to me, that's dangerous. I mean, I, you know, uh, 
I'm a baby boomer. I, I've been exposed to cannabis and CBD in my life. That'll shock people. Uh, I, I did live in America in the 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s and now. Point being, a lot of people, I mean, sadly, some people are just taking marijuana in, in, in some manner, yeah. feeding it to a pet, which is, which is, which is da- very dangerous. Um, and so that's the mistake being made there. But people are saying, hell, it makes me feel good, and I weigh X number of pounds, so my, my, my retriever weighs 65 pounds, I'll cut it in third or cut it in half or, yeah. or quarter. And not a good plan, but, but there is that going on, no question. So I think what, what you want to have happen is let the manufacturer, and, and, and I work with a company going through FDA clinical trials right now. So, so once you start to have standards that people understand, I'm surprised how many veterinarians don't know about the farm bill, don't know the hemp-based less than 0.3 THC means something. They're like, oh, what's, I never heard about that. Well, that's the law. But, yeah. uh, the, and so we kind of have to get the word out. And, and, and I'm hoping that med boards and vet medical associations are, are comfortable saying, yes, that's okay. But I think they're being told by lawyers, you have to be cautious here, wait and see what the FDA does. And, you know, I always say to people, we can wait, but the truth is federal loss already says the following, which you've heard me say, don't be afraid to adhere to federal law. And the FDA's angle is don't make a special therapeutic claim about it. Well, you can get around that. And so the smart companies use language that that's not claiming it's going to heal this or cure that. Gotcha. Well, let, let me wrap this up. I, I want to ask you one of your future-facing questions because I'm always interested in your perspective. We're going, we're going into midterm elections. We've got uh, signs of continued inflation. Prices continue to stay high, even with adjustments to interest rates from the Fed, things mm-hmm. like that. Where, where do you see, uh, where do you see vet medicine in the next 12, 16, 24 months? Do you, are, you, are, there, are there forces you're expecting to be impacting us that are not yet apparent? I think that the Republicans will take the House back. The, whatever your party is, the beauty of that is when we have dual governments, Republicans have this, Republicans have that, but they're, they're both parties have some power. Um, the pace of federal spending always slows down. And inflation is driven mainly by just massive federal spending that puts money into the market, you know, into the, into the, into the world. And everybody says, well, that sounds good. But then it, it has the effect we're now experiencing. I think that'll slow down fears about a recession. What's changed in the narrative is inflation, inflation, inflation. Oh my God, now we're getting near, oh, you read the Wall Street Journal today, it's, you know, everyone's saying recession likely. I think, if, if, I think that threat will abate. That will cause people to calm down about, do I have to start making adjustments in my lifestyle right now because um, there's still jobs available. So if somebody wants a job, they can get a job. But I think you're going to see that the recession threat and the scale of inflation, if, if, if just that one thing happens, Republicans take the House, because that means that, that the Democrats can simply push through a spending plan um, that, that, that Republicans can't stop. So I'm being very political in saying that. There's, there's things about Republicans taking control that I don't necessarily like, but, but that's one positive. So the, the threat to veterinary medicine is there of a recession, but it'll be on the edges of it. I do not see people saying, I'm not gonna feed my dog, I'm not gonna feed my cat, I'm gonna drive my dog to the shelter. And you know why, our people t- you know why people are giving pets back to shelters now? 
because they can't get veterinary care. That that threat is independent of any national election. That that's a that's a profession saying we have to open up avenues for care or remove barriers to care so people can get care other than going to a clinic. Because clinics have said there's no no room at the inn. Sorry, there's just no yeah. room at this hotel. You can't stay here. You know, so uh, I, I'm less concerned for this industry than others about how a, a full-on recession plays out. It'll slow some things down for sure. But, but but look at what's happened. You know, Market Watch shows us every week that vet spending's up from a year ago and up from the year before that. So um, that's my one political ad for this interview is that I, I like divided governments. You know why? Because it, it forces the extremes of both parties which drive most people nuts, myself included, it forces the extremes to have conversations because you you just can't yell at each other all day if, in fact, nothing can happen if you don't sit down because one side has to get buy-in and the other side has to get buy-in. So that's that's my hope. Um, If not, I will tell you, it'll be pretty interesting what's going to happen. Tighten your (laughs) seatbelt. Watch watch (laughs) out. Awesome. Uh, you, you, heard, you heard it from the Oracle. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Mark Cushing, you are the author of Pet Nation. I'll put a link to the book in the show notes for those who have not checked it out. There's a podcast you and I have done in the past about it. Um, it's a very, very interesting read. I really enjoyed it. Where can people follow you? Where can they read more of your, uh, of your writing and your thoughts? Well, they can go to, uh, I think it's markcushing.com or marklcushing.com. I can't remember if... You know, I have my dad's middle name, Lewis. But, but uh, and then animalpolicygroup.com for, for our business. And, uh, and then Pet Nation, you can get every way possible. And if you, if you like the sound of my voice, for some uh, reason, you can get the audio version. And, and as you're walking on the beaches in Carolina, you can, uh, you can hear what I have to say. It's like I'm walking on the beach with Mark Cushing. And that's, uh, it doesn't get better than that. You know, how, how, could, you, how could you top that? I agree. So Andy, great. <laughs> Seeing you, great questions as always. You're 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 ahead of the game, and uh, you just pull the rest of us along. So thanks a lot. Oh, you're very kind, guys. Take care of yourselves. And that is our show, guys. That's what I got. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed hearing the thoughts and ponderings of Mark Cushing. As I uh, as I may have mentioned before, um, Mark is the founder and CEO of Animal Policy Group. His opinions are his own, although I do very much enjoy hearing where his head is uh, and hearing him talk uh, and predict the future. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed ha- uh, having him on here. Uh, check out his book if you get a chance. Um, yeah, and that's that's it from me, gang. Take care of yourselves. Be well. See you next week.